playoffs? Actually, I'm not kidding you. Even though I thought there was no way the NFL would successfully make it this far into this pandemic season. We're here, man. The door closed on week 17 last night, and the playoffs are set to begin next weekend. I got a familiar guy by my side. We did a long recap after the first NFL Sunday, and we're here to talk lots more football again. Robster, the lobster, the melatonin menace. I'm very excited for this episode. Greg, thank you so much for having me back on. I am pumped to discuss the playoff preview with my favorite podcast host. Oh, dude, I couldn't have said it better myself. And before we get into the weeds of a very intense and intriguing playoffs, first things first, circling back to episode eight, the one we did after the first week of the NFL season, I just want to say that the title, Back on the Dwayne Gang, could not have aged any worse than it did. I commended Dwayne Haskins for giving the Washington football team's halftime speech in place of head coach Ron Rivera, who was getting an IV because he was dealing with cancer, uh, because the football team ended up rallying from behind and defeating the Eagles 27-17. It also turns out that the Eagles suck. Uh, So I said it was a step in the right direction for a young quarterback who struggled his first season but I'm not even going to defend myself by saying that me being back on the Dwayne gang didn't necessarily mean that I thought he would become a franchise QB or lead his team to the playoffs because even his character suffered after that week one victory. Obviously, his football playing was atrocious to the point where he became the third string QB. But because of injuries, the Washington football team was forced to play him again. And then right in the middle of their push for a division title, there was footage released of Haskins in a strip club without a mask. Uh, Ultimately, Haskins got stripped of his captainship, was benched in the second half of their Week 16 loss against Ron Rivera's former team, the Carolina Panthers, and he was cut by the Washington football team the next day. I would feel bad for him if he was just bad at football and struggling to play quarterback, but he was also immature, someone who inadequately prepared for games and a guy who put his entire team coaching staff and their families at risk with COVID-19. So at this moment, I feel like it's fair to say that my back on the Dwayne gang statement was possibly the coldest take I've ever had in sports. I'm stealing this one from Colin Coward because I think he said it best. My take has gone down the Dwayne. Yeah, I don't think we could have come up with much worse of a podcast name. I actually remember right after we recorded, we were trying to come up with a name, and we couldn't really think of something that good. So we were just like, oh, back on the Dwayne game isn't that bad. Turns out any other idea we pitched would have absolutely been better. And back on the Dwayne gang is so embarrassing that when you used to say back on the Zane gang, as in Zane Gonzalez, I would always make fun of you because he would choke games. But I would definitely rather say that I was back on the Zane gang than back on the Dwayne gang. Yeah, and I was officially off the Zane gang when he was short on a 49-yard kick to ultimately help the Cardinals lose to the Miami Dolphins. And that's a perfect segue into our next topic because I don't want to talk about Dwayne Haskins anymore. First, before we get into playoffs, 
we need to do some saying goodbye. Uh, one team that will not be in the playoffs despite the extra seed this year, uh, seven teams from each conference, is the 10-6 and six Miami Dolphins. I'm kind of glad that the Dolphins were the AFC team that didn't get a playoff spot. Uh, even though it's brutal to miss a seven-team playoff after going 10-6, and six, I just don't know how much excitement they really would have added to the playoffs, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I do feel bad for them in a lot of ways. It's the first year that you have a seven-team playoff, and you have eight pretty solid teams in the AFC. So the team that didn't make it after this week, I was going to feel bad for. Um, but I think that after each of those five teams played this week, the Dolphins showed that they were the least deserving of securing that final playoff spot. It still sucks that they had a pretty good year, went 10-6. and six. Also, they kind of got screwed over by Ryan Fitzpatrick getting diagnosed with COVID. But I ultimately, as a neutral football fan, am glad that they were the team to miss out on. Yeah, and speaking of Fitzmagic, I actually kind of feel bad for him because he was having a pretty good season despite him playing for his 17th NFL team and being 47 years old. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, was it really worth benching him for Tua midseason? Like, no offense to Tua. I don't wish anything bad on the guy, but if Week 17 tells me anything, it's that maybe it wasn't the time to just pull the trigger. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Tua develops, because if he can improve, the Dolphins could be a pretty scary team in the years to come with a lot of young talent. They have a bunch of draft picks loaded up. I think they have the Texans' third overall pick this year. So I would watch out for them in the coming years, especially if Tua can show that he's ready for the big leagues. Yeah, it's going to be a big question that is looming the entire offseason one more question about the Dolphins. Is Brian Flores coach of the year now? I can't advocate giving it to him after that collapse in week 17. It might not have been totally his fault. As we discussed, there were external forces out of his control, such as COVID. But I think it has to go to Kevin Stefanski at this point if you're going to give it to a coach like that who took a team that was pretty bad the previous year and elevated them to a solid team. Kevin Stefanski did that just as well, except his team is in the playoffs. What about Riverboat Ron? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to anything he's done, but the Washington football team is seven and nine. And the only reason they're in the playoffs is because the NFC East blows. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, team that, will not win coach of the year is Cliff Kingsbury's Arizona Cardinals. They also got eliminated after being in the hunt for pretty much all season. A little bit of a letdown at the end for the Cardinals. And I feel bad for them, but of all the teams that got eliminated this week, uh, they're probably the least I feel bad for just because they had a lot of opportunities down the stretch to secure that seven seed and at the very least control their own destiny. Yeah, and now that we see that they didn't make the playoffs, if you look back at their schedule, they had a few bad losses there. There was that dramatic ending to the Patriots game where 
they missed that field goal and the lions they lost to early on with matt patricia as the coach and they even lost to the panthers early in the season as well so i feel like i mean it's obviously it's easy to go back and say oh they should have beat this bad team but they had more than a few opportunities to secure a couple extra wins and prove that they're a playoff worthy team yeah, and shout out to Kyler because he had so much improvement in his second season. I think you could tell his body was a little beat up those last few games. Like, Kyler, when he's not fully mobile, is an entirely different player. But the Cardinals were so exciting to watch. Of course, the Hale Murray was one of the best plays of the entire season. They also had that insane Sunday night game against the Seahawks. And I think they handed them the Seahawks' first loss of the year. Yeah. So, Kyler was... You know, he showed up. Uh, I think he's going to be good for many years to come, and it looks like they didn't make a mistake there. Last note on the Cardinals is that I really hope that wasn't Larry's last game. I really hope it wasn't Larry's last game, obviously, because he's one of the best players of all time, and I'd love to see him in a Cardinals uniform in the coming years. But on a slightly more selfish note, I really want to be able to name my fantasy team F Larry Fitzgerald next year. And if he retires, it's not as uh, timely. So fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Mr. Great Gatsby over here. I see online school has really educated you. So that's good. Uh, Last team that we have to say our sweet goodbyes to is the New York Giants. Man, that's a little bit of drama, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So even though it felt like Doug Peterson sort of tanked the game to screw over the Giants, I have to feel for their players a little bit. Not not entirely, but just a little bit. Um, Gotta love everyone taking their frustrations to Twitter, the only medium for conversations we have anymore. Uh, When Nate Sudfeld was put into the game (laughs) to replace Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter, my personal favorite tweet, which they showed on the screen, was Darius Slayton just saying, bruh, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I do feel bad for the Giants players. I feel bad for the Giants fans, maybe a little less so. But I think my dad said it best. I was watching the game with him last night, and I kind of expressed this sentiment like, oh, poor Giants, they're getting screwed over by Doug Peterson not really trying in this game. He was like, yeah, but maybe don't go 6-10 and ten then, which is a very <laughs> valid point. Like, if you're going to complain about a team tanking the last game, but you went 6-10, and ten, you don't have much of a case. That's true. The only thing that would have been awesome about the football team losing is that there would have been a 6-10 and ten division winner, which would have been super fitting for the NFC East. Uh, also, no offense, but I don't want to watch Daniel Jones play in the playoffs. Like, that's why we're in the playoffs now, so that we can be free from things like Daniel Jones playing quarterback. Okay, that's what, like, that's why the real fans, weeks 12 through 17, that's a grind, okay? That's when you hit your point when you're like, I don't want to watch Daniel Jones play quarterback anymore. And I think, I like really think that's why everyone was so riled up about the Tim Tebow playoff year. Like, Denver's defense was too good, and Matt Prater and they got a fair share of luck that we still have to watch Tim Tebow play meaningful football. And then when he got into the playoffs, he actually had a good game and they won. Well, <laughs> at least we got the awesome Jason Sudeikis as Jesus SNL skit out of it. Yeah, that's one of the all-timers for sure. 
It's not a command. It's a request. But enough with the eliminated teams. We will circle back to them at some point in the near future. But right now, it's all about Wild Card Weekend. Let's break it down game by game. The schedule came out yesterday. Saturday games. Three of them. Morning game. And I know you're going to wake up early to watch this one. Colts at Bills. This is such a classic first playoff game. I think that the only reason it was the Colts versus the Bills, though, was because the Texans weren't in the playoffs. Because if they were, that's the default first game on Wild Card Saturday. But it's your classic AFC matchup, small market. Um, another thing I want to point out is that I really hope that Tony Romo is out of COVID protocol so that he can either announce this game or the other CBS game this week, which I think is Bears versus Saints. Um, because last week, Rams Cardinals, he couldn't be by Jim Nance's side. So that was very disappointing. Yeah, I know. If we can't have Tony Romo in the playoffs, that's going to be a big, big bummer. And I hope Tony is obviously okay. They were not clear on whether he tested positive for COVID or was just exposed to somebody who tested positive. But having Tony Romo back in the booth would be awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, great point about the Texans, by the way. I was thinking the same thing. It was like, oh, they filled the Texans' playoff spot with Colts-Bills. Nice. Seems legit. The Bills played the Texans in the playoffs last year. The Colts played them in the playoffs the year before. Now they're playing each other. It's just perfect. Yeah, maybe like the Texans are passing on the duty to the Bills. I guess so. I mean, the Bills look like they're going to be good for a long time. They're on fire right now. A totally trendy Super Bowl pick. Uh, kind of seems like they're either going to continue this crazy run they're on and destroy or look lost and a little bit frazzled and frustrated trying to just gut it out against the Colts. But what are your thoughts on the Colts? I think that I wouldn't count the Colts out quite yet. Frank Reich is a great coach, and he usually has his teams prepared for big games, um, especially two years ago when they came into Houston, of course, the first wild card game on Saturday, and upset the Texans in a convincing fashion. So they have the veteran quarterback, Phillip Rivers. Frank Reich has experience in the playoffs as well as much of the Colts roster. And the Bills, they've been hot in the regular season, but it's a little bit different when you get to the playoffs and you have that added pressure. So I could see this one being a lot closer than most people expect. Yeah, and even though I think it's a horrible idea for any NFL stadium to allow fans into their games, I do have a little bit of a soft spot here for 6,000 members of the Bills Mafia getting allowed in the stadium. Of course, they have to get a COVID test beforehand uh, and ensure that they are negative. But if like there's any fan base that deserves to be able to go to a home playoff game. I feel like it's the crazy Bills Mafia. That's fair. Well, let's move into the next game. I think Saturday is by far the better day, and this is the game I am most looking forward to, especially if Jared Goff is able to play. It's the Rams at Seahawks. Going to be crazy battle. I feel like if I'm either team, I have some concerns uh, just because the NFC West was gnarly and these two teams always find a way to show up in big spots. It's also the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman game. Uh-oh. 
Yeah, it's a bittersweet experience watching games that they announce because on one hand, I can't stand Troy Aikman and make fun of him or tell him to shut up at least eight times per game. But on the other hand, it's hilarious, especially when I'm around people I can commiserate with. Yeah, uh, he's not a huge Jared Goff fan, so if he plays, that'll be extra annoying slash funny, depending on how you interpret it. I think that this is a game where the Rams' offense is going to have to step up if they want to have a chance to win. Regardless of whether or not Goff plays, I think the Seahawks are too good of a team to put the burden on the Rams' defense. They have playoff experience, and Russell Wilson is too good to have a low-scoring game with and expect to win at the end. Yeah, well, you're worried about the low-scoring game, and Russell Wilson's probably going to come alive in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. But this is the kind of game where I predict a halftime score of 7-6, especially if John Wolford's playing. You know what? Even if Goff plays, it's going to be like 7-6 at halftime. I would say there's like a 70% chance that's true. That's a great call. Yeah, and I'm usually not bad with like random weird calls, (laughs) so I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned the Rams' defense. The DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey part three matchup is going to be super intriguing. Ramsey did a great job on him both games, but, you know, three times, that's a lot. Um, DK, everyone talks about how he's from Wakanda. He's (laughs) from another planet. So, I don't know. And even if uh, DK Metcalf's not catching a lot of passes, then if Troy Hill or one of those guys gets an interception... I feel like DK's for sure chasing him <laughs> down. So Yeah, great point. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really going to depend on the Rams' offense, and they have a wizard of an offensive coach. But we're going to get to who we think is going to win that game a little bit later on. Just going to kind of gloss over it. The night game for Saturday is the Bucks at the Washington football team. I am trying to put aside all of my hate and bias here but if Alex Smith could beat Tom Brady in the playoffs that would just feel so right that would feel so good and this game triggers me I don't want to disrespect the Washington football team in any way Ron Rivera has done an excellent job this year and I totally respect Alex Smith for leading this team to the playoffs especially after his brutal injury a couple years ago, but this just seems like the exact matchup that the Patriots would have had back when Tom Brady was on the team, except the only difference is they would have played a Washington football team caliber um, opponent, except it would have been in the divisional round. Like they would have been the one seed and then the football team as a seven and nine division winner would have somehow upset the five seed and then went to Foxborough and gotten destroyed But regardless of that, I am going to, like you said, try to put all my hate and bias aside. Um, And I totally would like to commend Bruce Arians for just admitting that he wanted the five seed. Yeah, there are a few people who are more real than Bruce Arians. So you got to respect him for just being straight up about it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of coaches would try to dance around that question but he's like no we want the five seed we want to play the shitty nfc east winner 
And Bill Belichick, Tom Brady's old coach, definitely wouldn't have answered the question. Just <laughs> well, he wouldn't have answered any question. <laughs> yeah, he would have answered no question. That is a fair point. Um, yeah, so the playoffs are obviously weird. I think multiple times the shitty team that sneaks into the playoffs has found a way to win a playoff game. There was the 7-9 and nine Beastquake Seahawks. There was the Ron Rivera 7-8-1 Panthers. So... It can be done. Uh, home field doesn't quite mean the same thing this year as it has in the past, but that would be a pretty epic story as if the Alex Smith story isn't already insane enough. So Yeah. Well, moving on to Sunday at 10.05 a.m. Pacific time, we have the Baltimore Ravens have an opportunity to get some vengeance against the team that eliminated them last year, the Tennessee Titans. Greg, how do you feel about this one? First off, I want to thank you for clarifying Pacific time so now I don't have to set my alarm for like 6.45 in the morning and then get really upset that I woke up too early. Well, I just got to let all our <laughs> listeners on the East Coast know. No, I sincerely do thank you. It was a very useful thing. And uh, the more clarity we can have in communication, the better things are going to be. So this guy gets it. Um... <laughs> Ravens at Titans. Derrick Henry is a freak of nature. Even though he doesn't look fast at all when he runs, he just kind of like takes a couple of big steps and it's like this giant block moving and he kind of like slowly speeds up, but at the same time, nobody catches him. And I'm not saying he's not fast. He just doesn't look fast at all. He doesn't look fast, yet he outruns his opponent. So I don't understand it. It's so weird. But moving on to the Ravens, As a neutral football fan, I would love to see Lamar have a good playoff game. He had the amazing regular season last year, won MVP, and then he was not the same in the playoffs. Yeah, he was seeing ghosts out there. Yeah, so I think it would be cool to see him perform (laughs) well. He has something to prove, and a lot of the football world is wondering if he'll ever be able to win a playoff game. Yeah, but this Ravens team is more intriguing to me than last year's Ravens team because they were always playing with a lead and then they got punched in the mouth and behind in the Titans and didn't look like the same team at all. This Ravens team was 6-5, and five, basically realized they needed to win out, which they did. And uh, yeah, they had to battle through a little bit more adversity. And that Browns game on Monday night was a big turning point for them. Uh, It's fitting that they were playing in Brown Stadium because there was a lot of speculation that Lamar had to go number two. I personally don't believe it, especially since he was coming back from COVID. But if we find out at some point, as we did with Paul Pierce, that Lamar had to just really move his bowels in the middle of the game, that would be epic. Well, whatever it was, it worked for him because he has been on fire ever since then. Yeah, I like this new confident Lamar, and I would like to see him... Uh, at the very least play well, but it'd be really cool if he could win a road playoff game just as a neutral fan. Going back to Derrick Henry, though, for a second, and obviously Ryan Tannehill has been terrific since he took over the job, so I don't want to gloss over his accomplishments, but Derrick Henry led the league in rushing with 2,027 yards. He led the league in rushing touchdowns with 17 and had 5.4 yards per carry. The craziest stat that I saw 
is that if you only counted Derrick Henry's second half rushing yards, so third, fourth quarter, and I guess overtimes, uh, he would have finished fourth in rushing yards this season behind Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. Whoa. You just wowed me. Yeah, it's and it's like crazy how good he gets in the second half of games. That's why if you're doing a good job, like when we were playing the Titans and had a great first half against them, what was it, 19-7 going into the half? Yeah. And we're doing a good job on Derrick Henry. I wasn't relaxed one bit because I was like, oh, he could just go for 170 this half. I, you would think it would be the opposite. Like, you would think he would get more tired as the game goes on, but he seems to get better and better. Yeah, Tractor Cito also seems to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> it's freakish. So I know the Ravens' defense is going to have a big task uh, ahead of them. And one thing I really like that the Titans have done offensively is make really good use of the read option. Ryan Tannehill can tell when there's seven defenders with all eyes on Derrick Henry. It's just a really easy way for him to get yards. Yeah, good for them for utilizing Derrick Henry as a decoy. Obviously, the defense has to pay attention to him when he's that good. So that was definitely showcased a lot throughout the year, particularly against our Packers. That one hurt a little extra, but I couldn't even be mad at the defense because A, they fooled me. I thought Derrick Henry had the ball, and B, you have to pay attention to him. He's too good not to. It was also third and one at like the 45-yard line. Yeah. So, yeah, can't be mad about it. Moving to the next game on Sunday, the seven-seed Chicago Bears. What an up-and-down season they've had at the two-seeded New Orleans Saints. Yeah, so on paper, this should be the most boring playoff game. But the Saints have had heartbreaking playoff exits three years in a row now. And it's not a guarantee that Alvin Kamara will be able to play. Even if he can play, we're not sure how having COVID will have impacted him. Yeah, that's true. I actually have a quick hypothetical question for you. Obviously, the Bears and the Saints have their typical tendencies. The Bears would be to choke on important kicks. And the Saints have had unlucky playoff exits for the past few years. So... Do you think if the Bears had like a 55-yard field goal at the end of the game down two, would it be more typical for them to make it and eliminate the Saints in a heartbreaking fashion? Or would it be more typical for them to embarrassingly miss the kick? Wow. I really like this question. See, it's this kind of critical thinking you have <laughs> that keeps getting you back on this podcast. I just can't keep you away. Really good question. Uh, who's the Bears kicker? Cairo Santos? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to say more heartbreaking for Cairo Santos to make the kick and the Saints have that exit. Actually, no, I take that back. I think it would be more typical for the Bears to miss the kick, but this is how I think it would be more heartbreaking for the Saints. Cairo Santos can't play this week because of COVID protocols or injury or whatever. And so the Bears need to go sign an emergency kicker. So they go get Zane Gonzalez. <laughs> and then Zane Gonzalez makes a 55-yarder on the road to knock off the Saints. That would be the most heartbreaking. 
well, we know what our next podcast would be titled if that happened. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. And it probably wouldn't age worse than episode eight, so... I don't know if it could. Wow. Um, yeah, so I don't know. The Saints always prepare really well. Uh, Sean Payton has always done a terrific job. Everyone thought they weren't going to win the NFC South and it was going to be the Bucks. They took command for the second year in a row. Drew Brees got injured and had to miss some games, and they still won. Uh, then again, they did have to play Kendall Hinton's Broncos, so not every game was the toughest task, yeah. but still. I mean, as choky as the Saints can be in the playoffs, I don't see them losing this one. I don't think the Bears are nearly as talented of a football team as they are. And I know we talked earlier about how the Cardinals had some tough losses down the stretch that prevented them from getting into the playoffs. But as a football fan, I would have loved to have a Cardinals-Saints matchup in comparison with a Bears-Saints matchup. I think that that had the potential to be an interesting matchup, whereas this one, you never really know, but I, I don't see it being very exciting. Well, if Kyler was still hobbled and then had to go play a playoff game, I'm not sure how exciting it would have been. But if Kyler was healthy yeah, enough... assuming he was healthy. Yeah, if he could run somewhat, really would have been exciting. I agree. And you have to respect the Bears for how they turned it around toward the end of the season. It's kind of fitting that it was the weirdest year ever. They were 5-1. and one. No one believed in them. I'm not saying not for good reason because they lost their next six. But then Mitch started balling when he came back in again. And here they are. Yeah, I know they're 8-8, eight and eight, but they're still a playoff team. Yeah, um, we'll see if the Bears can continue that hot streak or if they will return to midseason form. But the final game of Wild Card Weekend is Sunday night. The Cleveland Browns making their first playoff appearance in 18 years against division rival the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be an interesting game. Yeah, I'm super intrigued by this one. Because both teams have looked both awesome and god-awful at some point during this year. So you never really know what you're going to get. Seems like the type of game that will definitely contain some last-minute drama, especially as a closer to wildcard round. I'm not saying it's even going to come down to the wire, but I just feel like there's going to be something dramatic about it at the end, even if it's like Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph Part 2. <laughs> Well, I will say this, Greg. The Browns are going to come to play, and I'll tell you why. They have a chip on their shoulders. These two teams do not like each other, and the Browns have a reason to dislike the Steelers, and that is because Pittsburgh started it, and everyone knows it. <laughs> wow, that is some great analysis there. You're right that these two teams don't like each other at all, and that it's going to get physical, but you're bringing in a recent conflict and Pittsburgh started it. I wonder who Freddie Kitchens is rooting for. Actually, I don't really care, to be honest. Uh, I'm super intrigued by this game, though. It's like, you know, Ben and Baker can both be drama queen QBs. They both can look awesome at times. They both can look terrible. Uh, the Browns better run the ball if they want to win this game. I know the Steelers have a good run defense, but Baker isn't meant to throw 37 times in a playoff game on the road. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, um, I feel like I need to address something a little bit more important 
do you think that Juju will do a TikTok dance pregame? 100%. Will Chase Claypool be in it? I don't know. I'd say if they win, it's likely. If Chase Claypool has a good game, then he probably won't have done the TikTok before the game. (laughs) But if Chase Claypool stinks, then there's a chance he could be in Juju's video. So I'm actually doing a little bit of reverse chronology here wow that's um some intriguing analysis yeah i don't know i like chase claypool he's like i think he's a really good player i a lot of people were mad because he was getting those megatron comparisons after having two really good games and i get that like let's slow down and if we're going to compare anyone to megatron right now it should probably be dk metcalf and i don't even think those are fair comparisons at this point in time but I do think Chase Claypool's a really good player and is going to be really good for many years for the Steelers team. Another dagger in the heart for the Packers not drafting any receivers. Yeah, I mean, it was such a receiver-heavy draft, and there was not a lot of talk about Chase Claypool uh, coming into it or afterwards. But he was a very impressive rookie. Um, I think that the only bad thing I have to say about him is his tweet, losing, never heard of her after they were 11-0 or 10-0 or whatever it was. Not that I was personally offended by it. I just think it was stupid. He was setting himself up to get roasted. Yeah, like, okay, rookie. Oh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to lose a game ever. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Well, why don't we move on to the other two playoff teams who do not play this weekend, but are still very much factors in the rest of the playoff picture, the bye teams. Let's start with the NFC champion, the Green Bay Packers. Heck yeah, and don't say NFC champion. I hope we can be the NFC champion, but the NFC's top seed, the Packers, look, we both religiously follow every game, and... I thought they were going to be pretty good this year. I didn't expect this, though. I did not expect this at all. I thought, if anything, they would be a little bit worse than last year. And last year, even though they made it to the NFC Championship and earned the two seed with the 13-3 records, they looked really unimpressive and weak at some points throughout the year. But they look stronger than ever, and Aaron Rodgers is having an MVB caliber season. Devontae Adams has caught 18 touchdowns this year and only did that in 14 games. Um, they have the same record as last year, but I don't think it's quite the same team. Yeah, not at all. I mean, the bad news is that David Bakhtiari got injured in practice, and it really, really stinks, obviously, for him more than anyone else. But it's a real major blow to the Packers' offense. Left tackle is one of the most important positions in football, and he might be the best in the league at it. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, part of the reason he was so good this year is he was so well-protected. Remember, early on in his career, it was hard to watch when he was getting sacked all the time. Granted, he did hang on to the ball at times, but the offensive line was terrible. Now he had guys like Bakhtiari, along with uh, two other pro bowlers, was it Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley? So he was really well protected, and it's a major loss. But to focus on the positives is that Aaron Rodgers was – he had a rebirth this offseason, man. Like, threw for 48 touchdowns, setting a personal and franchise record. He also ran for three, so that gets him over the 50 mark if you count total scores. Uh, By the way, they punted 
J.K. Scott punted 46 times in the regular season. So that stat to me is insane. Um, passer rating of 121.5, completion percentage of over 70. You mentioned Devontae Adams getting 18 touchdowns in 14 games. Just freakish. 13-3 and three again, but not the same team at all. Uh, that being said, they're not perfect. There are times when this team looks so put together, so smooth, so well-coached, and so talented, and it's total joy to watch. But we, more than anyone else, are well aware of the times when the Packers are frustrating, uh, making it seem more stressful than it needs to be, hitting these patches where nothing is working. So, I mean, yeah, let's just talk about that. I think one of the main things that differentiates this year's team from last year is that last year, a lot of times we would get off to an early lead, but then the Packers would start to deteriorate in the second half and a lot of teams would be able to mount to come back on them and it would get stressful at the end. And this year, it seems like in the second half, they've made some better adjustments, been able to maintain their offensive firepower, but that tendency hasn't completely gone away. And because the Packers have played from ahead throughout pretty much the entire year, I think that could potentially trouble them in the playoffs. If they got behind early, it's kind of uncharted territory for them. But I think one of the keys for their success um, would be to get off to an early lead because it's worked for them throughout the whole regular season. Yeah, totally. And I think one of the reasons that we've gotten off to a lot of early leads and hot starts is that they haven't had to play a ton of tough teams on their schedule this year. The wins against New Orleans and Tennessee were huge, but they were horrific against Tampa and had a miserable collapse against the Colts. And other than that, they didn't play a lot of elite, high-caliber teams. So I agree that they're going to have to find ways to stick with it. I think starting hot is a big key for them. I would also say limiting penalties is a big key because they're the type of team that just builds such smooth momentum on offense, and penalties really kill that momentum, often force a lot of punts. They have to find ways to protect Aaron, especially now that their star left tackle is out. And uh, the last key I have is that they need to score more points than the other team. (laughs) Wow, Greg, thanks for that insightful last point. Uh, I think another thing that worries me as a Packers fan is that I still have PTSD from last year's NFC Championship when we got run all over by the 49ers and Raheem Mostert. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) You only had 210 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, you're right. That's nothing. But one thing that is reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news, fake news. (laughs) One thing that's reassuring is that we just faced the Tennessee Titans in week 16. And we've done plenty of Derrick Henry praising earlier in this podcast. And... We limited him to what? What was it? 98. 98 yards. So maybe that's a sign of hope for the Packers, despite the fact that Dalvin Cook ran all over us early in the year. Um, But yeah, we'll see. It also helps that we get to have home field. I mean, we've seen a lot of playoff games where Aaron Rodgers has to go on the road and do some freakish things to either help them win the game 
or just keep them in the game. So it's really nice that we get that home field advantage. I know it's not the same without that rowdy Lambeau crowd, but the weather still is an important factor. So, yeah. Well, let's move on to the AFC. Um, the team that secured the top seed was the Kansas City Chiefs. They went 14-2, and two, but for all intensive purposes, it was really 14-1 and because they didn't really try in Week 17. Patrick Mahomes has looked unstoppable throughout much of the year, and he makes it look stupid easy. He does make it look stupid easy. He finished with 4,740 passing yards, and he would have led the league had he played Week 17. Uh, but Deshaun Watson passed him in this last week and got him by like 50, 60 yards or something like that. There was, yeah, he had 38 passing touchdowns, only six interceptions. Of course, all the haters are talking about all the dropped interceptions, but six, still not a lot. Uh, there was a long stretch when they looked like they were in a league of their own. And towards the end of the regular season, they started winning a lot of games really close and not always playing that great. So that started raising all this skepticism. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know you're kind of thinking it's like the same pattern as the old Chiefs, but a little less severe where they would always like peak a little bit too early in the season. Yeah, I was just going to say they... It's like the same thing that would happen to the Alex Smith era Chiefs where they would start off like 6-0, but everyone would kind of know, like, okay, the Chiefs aren't the best team. And then they would deteriorate as the year went on and not show up in the playoffs. Um, I am guilty of actually being a doubter of the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes started his first year. I thought they were going to follow that same pattern. They started off super hot, and I was like, no, just wait for it. Mid-season rolls around. They're going to start dropping some games and not be able to show up in the playoffs. But the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs have proved that they are a different team, which is why I'm not as worried about their, I wouldn't call it a mid-season collapse, but just kind of how they let some worse teams hang around in some games when they shouldn't have. Yeah, I think the better term for it would be like a cautious slump. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, their floor is really high. So even when they play poorly, they can still win. I think there's something to be said for a team that can win even when they get outplayed for 75% of the game, like they did against the Dolphins. Uh, so I wouldn't react too strongly to them winning too close. But just a side note on the Chiefs, don't you feel like, every receiver is a slightly worse version of the next one. It's like, oh, there's Tyreek Hill. And then there's Nicole Hardman, who's like a little bit worse than Tyreek Hill. And then you got Sammy Watkins and then Demarcus Robinson, who's kind of like the same thing, but not really. And then there's Byron Pringle. <laughs> it's like, I mean, they're just a freakishly talented roster and a lot of weapons, but it, all receivers are like the same on that team. <laughs> That's funny. And then you got Travis Kelsey, who obviously is not like the rest of them. He's also ridiculous. Just got his fifth consecutive 1,000-yard receiving season. So, yeah, the Chiefs, they're freakish. I think that second half of the season, they looked a little bit more vulnerable and like they weren't a sure bet to repeat. But I still kind of feel like you're innocent until proven guilty with them. 
So I don't know. I'm not too concerned for their sake. I think their keys to getting to the Super Bowl, it was honestly hard thinking of keys because I was just like, uh, don't fall into holes. But then it's like they just go on these bursts where they score 28 points in a quarter and you're like, no one can ever stop these guys ever. So I guess the keys I have are have your defense prevent other teams from having long drives so that you can get your offense back on the field. And I think the second thing would be continue to score and just make opponents play with urgency. Yeah, I think that despite their kind of their close games in the middle of the season, I have a hard time picking against the Chiefs in the AFC. You said it best, innocent until proven guilty. I know the Bills right now are a super trendy Super Bowl pick, but I just feel like the Chiefs are the new default team to win the AFC, much like the Patriots were for the past decade. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, well, let's do something a little fun. Let's kind of run through a little playoff simulation in our heads and fill out the bracket, if you will. Let's go, I mean, start in wildcard round, obviously. Let's start with that first game, Bills over Colts. How do you see this one shaking out? I touched on this a little bit earlier. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than some people think. The Bills have been super hot this season, especially towards the end, and Josh Allen looks amazing. But I think that the Colts, they're kind of like a slept on team just in the sense that they don't get a lot of attention because they aren't super flashy, but they're a solid squad. And I think that they're going to give the Bills some trouble. I don't think that they're good enough to beat them, but I think it might be a closer game than a lot of people would think. Yeah. I think that the Bills are actually going to continue their streak of playing well, I don't think that means they're going to blow out the Colts, but I think that they're going to win and never be too uncomfortable with it. Maybe win by like a couple scores and just kind of have to play strong all the way through. Uh, The Colts defense is not always talked about and they are the very thing that could keep the Colts in this game. But because of how confident the Bills are playing and how well they've looked on both sides of the ball, I think they're going to find a way to take advantage of, of this home game. I think that they're going to get riled up for the playoffs. Josh Allen's been nothing but terrific in these last two months, really all season. Yeah. So I like the bills to win this game, but I don't think the Colts play poorly. Yeah. Um, in the second game of Saturday is the Seahawks Rams. I think that this is going to be a very close game. It'll probably come down to the final play like literally every Seahawks game seems to (laughs) but as I said earlier the Rams offense has been kind of shaky throughout points in the year and we don't even know if starting quarterback Jared Goff is going to play if he does he might still be dealing with the thumb injury I think that the Seahawks are a very experienced team especially in the playoffs Pete Carroll is a great coach and They just seem to have this end-of-game magic that no one is able to stop. So it'll come down to the final play, and it'll probably be Russell Wilson scrambling for like 15 seconds for 40 yards, but he'll throw it up and make a play. 
Yeah, look, as much as the Seahawks have frustrated us as Packer fans, you can't deny that they're a really exciting team. I think you hit the nail right on the head there that it's going to be this close thriller. I think even if John Wolford starts, it's still going to be a close thriller that's back and forth. Uh, another side note on this game is that both teams don't have to worry about going out of Pacific time. So <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> um, yes, but I do think it's going to be a close game. I predicted the like 7-6 halftime score. I think we're looking at like more high scoring fourth quarter when the Seahawks usually are like, oh, we can open it up and actually play offense now. Uh, it's going to come down to one or two big plays, I think for sure. And I like the Seahawks to win the game, but I think it's going to be really close. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, let's go to the night game. The Bucks and the football team. I'm going to take the Bucks to beat the football team, and I don't think it's going to be horribly close. I think we both kind of agreed on this one that it's going to be one of those kind of close in the first half, and then the Bucks will find a way to just you know, widen the gap in the second half and just find a way to pull away and get the win. Uh, I'm just trying to brace myself for disappointment here. I would love to see the Washington football team make this upset. I don't want to count them out. And I mean, of all people, I shouldn't be counting out Alex Smith or Ron Rivera, but I think the Bucks are probably just too loaded of a roster not to win this game. Yeah, not to be super boring here, but I am once again going to do the same pick as you, Greg. I also have the Bucks winning this one. I think that the Washington defense is very talented and they have the potential to have a really good game, but I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to contain Tom Brady and the star-studded Bucks offense for an entire game. I could see it being like low scoring and close in the first half, but I bet the Bucks will heat up in the second half and it won't be a particularly close ending. Yeah, for sure. Let's move into Sunday because I think another game that has the potential to be a total thriller and something I'm going to set aside all my priorities just to watch is the Ravens-Titans game. Um, look, I think that this is going to be a really exciting game. And I do think that Lamar is going to play well. I'm an optimist about that. I don't know if he's necessarily going to have great stats, but I think it's going to be one of those games where you watch and you're like, wow, Lamar's being a really good leader or like he's not making poor decisions or the Titans are making it hard on him, but he's hanging in there kind of thing. And I think that we have a hell of a fourth quarter on our hands. I'm going to take the Ravens to win this game. And I think... It's a, I'm just getting Justin Tucker game winner buzzer beating field goal vibes on this one. He sucks. He would never hit a game winner. <laughs> yeah, no, he wouldn't. I would take Zane Gonzalez before him. <laughs> Any day. <laughs> no, this is a really intriguing game. I went back and forth on this one. I think it's going to depend on the early stage of the game. I think if the Titans can come out hot and get an early lead, they'll be better able to utilize Derrick Henry and just kind of run it down the Ravens' throat. As we discussed, he gets it better as the game goes on. So if they can get an early lead and rely on their running game, I think it's going to be hard for the Ravens to come back. Um, and for this reason, I give the, slight, the Titans a slight edge. So you think the Titans are going to win? Yeah. Okay, that's our first difference. Uh, 
I have a feeling we probably won't be different on the next one. Saints, Bears. I've got the Saints over the Bears. I think that the Bears take a little bit of time to warm up offensively, and I think the Saints use that to their advantage. I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those games that finishes with a really weird score, like 26-15 or something, and one that's never really too close and maybe not the most exciting playoff game. But that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting from this 2-7 matchup here. That's a very uh, particular prediction. But I know that the Saints have had some tough playoff exits these past few years. But I don't see that streak continuing in this game. I think that they're clearly the better team. The Bears only made it because of the new format. And... I know I just roasted you for having a random prediction, but I actually have one of myself. I think that Taysom Hill is going to have more total touchdowns than Mitchell Trubisky. It just seems like that type of game. Yeah, no, not to hop on your bandwagon, but I totally agree. He's at least going to tie it. It's going to be the same number for sure. Yeah. The real question is, what are Taysom Hill's touchdowns going to be? Is it going to be receiving, passing, rushing? You never. Maybe he'll even kick a field goal. Oh, that would be something new. <laughs> Will Lutz would have to get hurt, and their only other option better be, wait for it, Zane Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we might just have to title this episode Back on the Zane game, I think, with how many references he's getting. I think it might have to be a lock at this point. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's move on to the final game of Wild Card Weekend. I'm going to pick the Steelers to beat the Browns. I think what this ultimately comes down to is experience over inexperience. Big Ben has been in the playoffs many times before, no pun intended. The Browns haven't been there for 18 years. Um, They have a young quarterback, a young running back. I think that the moment could get to them. That's happened with a lot of young teams in the past years, like the Ravens last year, the Bills last year, even the Chiefs in their first playoff game in the Mahomes era struggled a bit in the first half. And I think that by the time the Browns start playing well, the Steelers will have too big of a lead for them to catch up. I can tell you've been watching football for a really long time because I like you using that good historical evidence. And I'm not even being sarcastic when I say that, because you're right. Young teams do struggle in their first playoff game, and especially young quarterbacks we've seen struggle in their first playoff game. Even someone like Deshaun Watson lost 21-7 to in his first playoff game. You're right, Mahomes didn't look that great, at least to the Mahomes standard. And yeah, so it's like it's hard for young people and young quarterbacks in particular, to ball out in their first playoff game. But as I hinted with this one earlier, I see some weird late-game drama. The Browns just beat the Steelers 24-22. to I'm going to take the Browns to win 23-22. I think it's going to be really close, possibly controversial, um, very emotional. And I don't know. I don't have really good evidence or reasoning behind it it's just kind of a hunch well i respect the pick yeah the playoffs are full of like weird upsets sometimes so yeah you never know well let's move on to the divisional round and i want to start on the afc side 
um, with the Chiefs game. So I have the Chiefs playing the Titans based on my wildcard picks. And I think that the Chiefs win this game. I think that this is kind of the game where they remind the NFL that they're the team to be. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think the Chiefs offense is going to go off for a lot of points and show the rest of the NFL why they should be scared of them. Yeah, not to be boring like this, but you said it perfectly with reminding the NFL that they're the team to beat. I think they're probably tired of hearing about the Bills, especially if the Bills win this weekend. And giving a guy like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes an extra week to prepare, I think that's going to prove too much for their opponent. So I have the Chiefs playing the Browns based on my playoff picture, and I think that the Chiefs will be able to handle them by at least a score. Yeah, so... For the other AFC game without any buy teams, I have the Steelers traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. I think that this is going to be a crazy game. I just have a weird feeling there could be some officiating implications, maybe just a fight. I don't know. I just see this one being exciting. I think that the Steelers are ultimately going to get the dub in this one. Um I don't know why I'm so high on them after they haven't looked like that great of a team the last five weeks of the season. But like I mentioned earlier, I think that they have a lot of experience. They have a great coach in Mike Tomlin. And the Bills, even though they kind of got their playoff jitters out last year against the Texans, I still think that they have a young quarterback and a lot of young people on that roster and the Steelers are going to be able to kind of just outgrit them. Well, we got a believer in the black and yellow. Somebody call Wiz Khalifa. I like it. Uh, even though I don't have the Steelers advancing to this round, I have the Bills playing the Ravens. And I feel weird about this divisional matchup if it does come true. I feel like it's going to be one of those games where you turn off the TV, and at least personally, like, I would be happy with either winner. I wouldn't be, I'm not rooting hard for one or the other, but I feel like it's going to be one of those games when you turn off your TV and you're like, that was kind of a shitty ending in the sense that the team that you feel like deserved it or played better is going to be the one that's getting sent home. I don't know for sure which team that's going to be, but the way I have it right now is that the Bills are able to find a way to win but you feel heartbroken for the Ravens who you feel like deserved it and were hot and could have kept going. I like that. Let's uh, move on over to the NFC where I have our Green Bay Packers taking on Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I'm not going to lie, this game worries me as a Packers fan. (laughs) No, no reason. No, obviously the... The, when they met in the regular season, it was a bloodbath. But I still have faith. I think that this game, or at least I hope, it's going to look like the first quarter of the regular season meeting before Aaron Rodgers threw that first interception. 
because after that, I think I was texting you all pissed off. I was like, after that first piss, pick six, we started playing like the Jets. That was my favorite text of the year. You said, ever since that pick six, we've looked like the Jets. And it was also really accurate. Yeah, so less Jets, more Packers in the rematch. <laughs> I hope so, at least. I'm going to take the pack. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> wow, two Packers fans have this Packers-Bucks matchup. And I, too, am going to take the Packers, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, and I think it's going to be stressful late in classic Packers fashion. I see them being more likely to be having to protect a slim lead and causing us anxiety as opposed to, oh, Aaron, drive us down the field and put us back on top, although either one is really a plausible option. But just, like, fuck Tom and... I feel like our coaching staff is really professional and we better be more prepared than last time. So like you said, more Packers, less Jets. That is truly the worst we've looked all season and it's not close. I would like to think that was a fluke and not some kryptonite. Yeah, I would love to think that the coaching staff will be able to use that buy to get the squad ready. Absolutely. Uh, Let's move to Seahawks Saints. So we both have this matchup actually. I am going to pick the Saints here. I think that they're due for some luck in the playoffs. It's just been too brutal for them the past three years. I think that hopefully Camara will be back by then after he got diagnosed with COVID uh, last week. Um, I can see this being the type of game where he just runs all over them, much like he did on Christmas, but maybe on a less magnified scale. And despite the Seahawks late game magic, I think that the Saints will use their talent and be able to edge them out. Wow. Well, that would be really exciting for the Saints to get to an NFC championship game. I actually am going to disagree with you though. Do you remember in middle school literature when we talked about common motifs? I do. Good. How could you ever forget? Well, there are two (laughs) common motifs that I would like to bring up. I think this game is your classic combo of Seahawks drama and Saints heartbreak. I feel like it's going to be like 35-32 kind of game. And by the way, the way the Seahawks get to 35 is not five touchdowns. Like it's totally something unorthodox. There's going to be like multiple two-point conversions, a field goal, like who knows. Uh, And... Yeah, I think it's going to be similar to the Rams game where you're like, wow, the Seahawks could have lost either game, but here they are walking out as two-time victors and on their way to the NFC Championship. Plus, I think Packers-Seahawks makes a pretty insane NFC Championship. Yeah, I would love to get that rematch back at Lambeau. Yeah, totally. Especially how last year's ended and it was so close. But let's move to Championship Weekend. Uh, Start with the AFC. So I have the Chiefs beating the Steelers. I'm not super confident about my Steelers pick. I think that could be many different teams, but I am pretty confident about my Chiefs pick. I think whether it's the Steelers or another team, they will win this game convincingly. Like I said, like last game, they'll be they'll show the NFL that they're the team to be. I think they're going to continue this hot streak and... I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think there's any team that will provide them too much trouble. Interesting, interesting. Well, 
I've got the Chiefs and the Bills as opposed to the Steelers. And this is the AFC championship that it seems like everyone wants, except for Steelers fans and Ravens fans and Titans fans, blah, blah, blah. But just the neutral fan would love to see the Chiefs and Bills play again. Um, I feel like it's the type of game where maybe there's a little bit of a hot start, some jitters, and then kind of a dull period, and then a really hard-fought second half. I feel like the Chiefs will have their way in the end and maybe win by a touchdown. Like, I'm kind of getting 30-23 to 23 vibes or something like that. But I think it's like a legit one-score game and not like, hey, the Bills scored at the very end to make it a one-score game. I think it's pretty much like... It's like the kind of game where the outcome could be in question for the duration of the whole thing. So, I don't know. I got the Chiefs winning the AFC and still, like, giving themselves the crown but I think the Bills make it really hard on them. Yeah, well, as a football fan, I would love to see a matchup like that. But let's move on over to the NFC, where I have the New Orleans Saints coming to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. And as much as it pains me to say this, I do have to admit the Packers historically have not been good in NFC championships. We've talked about common motifs we've talked about historical analysis i think that the streak will continue i think also that this is the saints year they only have so much time with drew Brees, and they're gonna have to capitalize on their opportunity at some point um i mean i would love it if i'm proved wrong but i like the saints going to tampa Interesting. Well, that would be very well-deserved for the Saints if they can get all the way there. Uh, Is Taysom Hill going to be the man that breaks our hearts? (laughs) Hopefully not. Yeah, well, you're talking about uh, historical analysis and commonalities. How about the fact that Aaron Rodgers has never played in an NFC Championship game at home? Well, does home field really mean that much this year? If you're in the frozen tundra of Green Bay, it might And that's why I have the Packers beating the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in the game, so I think it's a guarantee that there's going to be some high drama, even if they're losing by 28 points at some point. Just kind of seems like a high drama kind of game. Uh, The Packers were killing them in the third quarter last playoff game, and neither of us was relaxed about that because we knew what was coming. And sure enough, the Seahawks came roaring back and made it a hell of a game. So I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I got Packers by about six points, and I would like to think that this is the year Aaron Rodgers can get the Packers back to the Super Bowl. Well, I hope you're right. We have a couple of pretty exciting Super Bowl matchups. I have the Saints and the Chiefs. You have Chiefs-Packers. Both of those would be awesome to see as a football fan. Um, I think that we're also due for a super exciting Super Bowl. Last year's was a close game, but for some reason it just, it didn't feel that. Dude, what are you talking about? Like every Super Bowl that you can remember, except for Rams, Patriots, and Seahawks, Broncos has been like insanity. No, that's my exact point. In my mind, we've had two years in a row that were kind of eh. And literally the entire rest of my life, it's just been a default. The Super Bowl is going to be a crazy game. So 
I'm hoping at least that this two-year hiatus will be ended and we'll have another great game. I think if it is the Saints and the Chiefs, as I'm predicting, then that could definitely be the case. And I also went back on forth on this one a lot. It's going to be an offensive shootout with two great offenses, two great coaches, two great quarterbacks. But I like the Saints, believe it or not. That's going to shock some people. Like they always say, offense wins championships. Oh, yeah, you know the common saying. (laughs) So Drew Brees goes riding off into the sunset? No, obviously Taysom Hill comes in at halftime and leads them back from a 21-point deficit. How about Jameis? Ooh, that would be even better. Yeah, and then everyone learns that LASIK changed him. Maybe Jameis with Taysom Hill at running back? Well, Taysom Hill's going to be on the field no matter who's playing quarterback, so... That's a given. Yeah. Okay, well, in my Super Bowl, I have the State Farm Edition Super Bowl. So I would like to ask, can Jake from State Farm please do the coin toss? Wait, wait, wait. Actually, I want the fake agent from last year. I miss him. Uh, Patrick Minnis is his name, and he's actually a former sportscaster, I learned. Dude, what, about, what if Jake Fromm did the coin toss? That, that could be more realistic. They could get that to happen. Yeah, I, just give me one of those guys, preferably the agent from last year's commercials, but I'll take any of them doing the coin toss. Well, okay, if we get to that point, then I guess I'll worry about it, and I'll obviously be worrying about my team. Um, It pains me to say this, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs over the Packers partially because I want to be proven wrong. Uh, I got a really high scoring game though, like 40 to 35 kind of game. I don't want to just pick my own team and be like, Oh, Packers, we're going to win the Super Bowl. I think we can. I think if I had to decide who the better team was right now and who had the better chance to win, I would take the Chiefs, especially with all those weapons they have. Packers defense is not anything special. Obviously, Zadarius Smith and Jair are tremendous players, but as a whole, I feel like they're the type of team that could give up 40 points to the Chiefs with all the weapons that they have, and I think they're going to have to score a lot. I think they will, but I ultimately think that the Chiefs repeat in this pandemic season and Patrick Mahomes continues his quest for greatness. Is he going to get the MVP? Yeah. Because even if he's not the best player in the game, there's still a chance he gets the MVP. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's what we got. Um, You say tomato, I say tomato. You say Saints, I say Chiefs. I hope it's Packers. You hope it's Packers. So, crazy NFL playoffs we have ahead of us. But we're not done yet because it's shout-out two time. What do you got? I have to give my shout-out to Kirk Cousins for scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter of last Sunday's game and pulling out the gritty, which if you had told me that it happened, that Kirk Cousins was going to do the gritty, I definitely would have cringed inside. And trust me, it was just as cringy as I ever (laughs) expected. But I will give him this. He managed to make the completely irrelevant Vikings-Lions game somewhat noteworthy. And for that reason, he has earned my shout-out for this episode. Wow, someone said something nice about Kirk Cousins on Potty Train Me. You have made history. JJ, what do you think 
oh my god, he's probably going to lose his mind when he hears it. So, uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins did the gritty. I can add that to the list of things I never want to see again in my life. For me, it's like global pandemic, my eighth grade science teacher, a dice in my cup, and Kirk Cousins doing the gritty is probably the top of the list for me. And it was it was really cringe. I I don't know. It was funny, but I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, my shout out goes to Cindy Benelli and her birds, specifically therapy chickens. So we just started another quarter of online school and Robbie and I are actually taking a class together. It's an econ class. So exciting. And, uh, well, Cindy Benelli is, let's just say when it comes to like pandemic flexibility, she is queen. We have no idea what the class is going to be, but she asked us this morning. So do you guys like want a final or? I had to think long and hard about it, but I ultimately decided that no was the best decision for me and my family. Yeah, I would have to agree. Just considering so many variables in a short period of time, I was like, you know, I'll also like to pass on this final here. So yeah, Cindy Benelli, uh, we got a quarter ahead of us. I hope that we're still talking positively about her at the end, but Seems like it's going to be kind of a weird class, like in a good way. Yeah, she's like so accommodating and nice to the point where I really have no idea what we're going to do for the rest of the quarter. Yeah, um, well, hopefully it's at least something interesting. Online school is putting me to sleep every single day. And it's stressful on top of that. So do not recommend. But uh, playoffs! Are you fired up now? Oh, I am hyped. He's hyped. Good. Me too. I have a feeling these are going to be a particularly entertaining playoffs. There are a lot of super talented and hungry men out there fighting for that Lombardi. And I know that we will be stress cases for every play of every Packers game. It's been fun, Robbie Silver. I have a feeling you'll be back soon. Thanks for having me once again, Greg. I'm excited to see how our predictions play out in the playoffs me too me hey too. i'll see you in econ yeah hey see you in econ my guy all right that's it for us as andy bernard said when he was regional manager at dunder mifflin and the clock struck five you don't have to go home but you can't stay here later <laughs> Thank you.